Well, good morning, Orchard. How you guys doing today? I cannot see any of you right now with these glasses on, so I'm going to take them off. Yes, this is my 1986 letter jacket. How many guys from the class of 86? Two of you. Awesome. That's great. That's great. When we made that 80s video, I said, I, can, I still have my letter jacket. Now, you may be wondering this morning, why am I wearing this today? Be here's why I'm wearing it. Because I'm 50 and I can still wear my high school letter jacket. So that's why I'm wearing it. But I'm not going to wear it the whole time because I'm getting too hot. All right. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we'll begin this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We are kicking off a brand new three-week series called Neighbors, where we're learning how to be a good neighbor uh, to those around us. I think this is a great time for this study as we're getting ready to get into summertime. People kind of getting out and mingling around our neighborhoods a little bit more. And, and how to love people the way Jesus wants us to love people. How to love others like we love ourselves, as we're going to talk about today. I'll tell you where we're going. Next week, we're going to talk about loving the lonely people that are around us. There's a lot of lonely people in our world today. Uh, the third week of the series, we're going to wrap it up talking about how to empower the poor. Uh, we want to give them a hand up, not a hand out. We're going to talk about that. And today, we're kicking off our series, Neighbors, with a kind of a difficult subject, kind of maybe for some a controversial subject. It's a hot topic. We're going to talk about racism, racism uh, reconciled, and on some of the racial tension that's going on in America today, because we want to be part of the solution uh, not part of the problem. And, and I will tell you as I launch today into this series and into this message, I'm a little bit nervous uh, because I have a limited perspective uh, when it comes to racism and, and prejudice. About the only prejudice uh, that I've ever dealt with in my life is people that have a problem with those who are vertically challenged. I've heard all the short jokes out there. If you say, have you heard this one? I'm sure that I've, I've heard it. Uh, but we're going to look to the Word of God today for our answers. And we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to start, where Jesus is having a conversation uh, with the religious person. Uh, this person knew the Old Testament law very well. And he's kind of testing Jesus with some questions. And in this discussion Jesus has with this person, uh, they talk about uh, racism. They talk about uh, how to be a good neighbor. And so I want us to begin in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25, follow along with me, if you will, this morning. And it says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Remember, he's testing Jesus with this question. And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And let's say it together, church, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he quotes this from the Old Testament. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus another question. And who is my neighbor? Jesus, okay, you tell me to love uh, my neighbor as myself, but really who is my neighbor? I mean, after all, who really knows who, who their neighbor is? I mean, is it just the person that lives next to me or in the same neighborhood, or is it more than that? Who is my neighbor? I mean, if someone doesn't like the same kind of music that I like, are they still my neighbor? If someone doesn't have the education and the degrees that I have, do I still have to be a neighbor and love them? If if they don't make as much money as I make, do I still have to be a good neighbor to them? Uh, what if they're, they have really weird hair, tattoos all over their body, maybe some piercings, maybe even some nipple piercings? Yes, you can tweet that. Pastor Doug just said nipple in church, okay? We keep it real. We believe it's okay to have fun in church. I mean, do I still have to love that kind of person as my neighbor? He's testing Jesus. And, and then I'm, he probably wondered this. What, what if this person has a different accent than I have? 
Do I still have to love them as my neighbor? What if they speak a different language? What if they have a different skin color than I have? Do I have to love them as my neighbor? And what we're going to see as we look at Jesus launch into a story and a parable is Jesus doesn't address who we should neighbor because he assumes we should uh, neighbor everyone. We should love everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. But rather what he talks about is how to neighbor. Not who to neighbor, but how to neighbor. And he's going to give us a story. It's about a Jewish man, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. I mean, it sounds like a joke. You know, a, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan walked into a bar. But it's actually a parable. And Jesus is going to use this story to answer this man's question, who is my neighbor? Who really is my neighbor? Jesus replied, verse 30, with a story. A Jewish man, everybody say Jewish. It's important you understand that the first person in the story is a Jewish man. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. So they beat this guy within an inch of his life, and they rob him. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. So the first guy that comes by is a priest. I mean, this guy is a Jewish priest. Um, you would think that if he would be, anybody would help somebody, it would be this priest. But he walks along, he sees this Jewish man who's been beaten up, and instead of helping him, he turns the other way and he walks away from him on the other side of the street. Then there's another guy that comes by. Watch what it says here in verse 32. A temple assistant. Some of your uh, Bibles will translate this a Levite. That was a temple assistant. Walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also did what? Passed by on the other side. So the priest comes by, sees the guy beaten up. He walks away, doesn't help him. The Levite comes by. The temple assistant sees the guy beaten up. He looks at him. He walks the other way and he crosses the street. Neither one of them. These are both religious people. Say they believe in God and love God, but they don't love this guy enough to help him. Then there's one more guy that comes by, verse 33. Then a what? Despised Samaritan came along. It's important that you pay attention to who this person is. He's a despised Samaritan. And when Jesus would have said Samaritan, this jaws would have dropped. This would have been shocking because the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. Just to give you a little background in history, the reason the Jewish people hated the Samaritans, there was a time where the Jewish people had been driven from their homeland, but some of them stayed behind. And then there were foreigners from other nations, uh, pagans that worshiped false idols and gods came into their cities and they intermarried and intermingled with them. And some of them started worshiping false gods. And so the Jewish people saw the Samaritans as sort of these half-breeds, half-Jew, half-pagan, half-Jew, half-Gentile. And the Jewish people for 700 years... There was this hate fest between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people and the Samaritan people and the Jewish people. Remember, the guy that got beaten up, what, what was he? He was Jewish. And this guy now that's coming walking along is a Samaritan. Two people that normally cannot stand each other, won't even talk to each other, won't even walk on the same side of the street as each other. And this despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt what, church? compassion for him, unlike the priest and the Levite. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Unlike the priest that saw and walked away, unlike the, the Levite, the temple assistant that saw the man and walked away, he, this man walked across the street. He stopped. He stooped down. He had compassion on this Jewish man that had been beaten up, and he's going to help him most unlikely of people to help this guy. It says that he, he uh, 
went over to him, the Samaritan, soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. I'll take care of his bill no matter how much it costs. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy, which would have been the Samaritan. I mean, this, this religious guy won't even say what he is, that he's a Samaritan. And he, then Jesus said, yes, now go and what? Do the same. Go and do the same. You, you love others as you love your, yourself. Jesus doesn't talk about who our neighbor is, but how to neighbor. The Samaritan knew how to neighbor. He knew how to love someone that was different from him. And this would have been shocking to the people hearing this story. Dr. Martin Luther King, in his famous speech, I Have a Dream, referenced this parable in the Gospel of Luke. And here's what he said about it. The first question the priest and Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Very different question. And, and listen, Orchard Church, this is the heart of the gospel. The gospel, gospel means good news. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, which means everyone, every skin color, every ethnicity, Loving people that are different from us, especially loving people that are different from us. That's what the Samaritan did for this Jewish man. And we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about racism. And I would argue all day long that racism isn't born, it's taught. Racism is not something that is born, it is taught. It's not inherited. There's no racism gene that is out there that we found. Uh, those of you that are parents, uh, especially parents of, of little kids, little kids love most people. They'll hang out with anybody. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. You know, you, don't, uh, you know what little kids hate? Little kids hate naps. <laughs> they don't hate people. Somebody has to teach that to them. So why do people become prejudiced? Why do people become racist? Sometimes it's because they had a bad experience with someone that was different than them or someone they love or care about had a bad experience. And so now they hold that against them and they're prejudiced or they're racist. Uh, sometimes, if we're honest, uh, it's the way we, we grew up, maybe in our family. You know, those people are different than us and so we don't really hang out with them. And, and I'm gonna keep this very real this morning, um, but about the way I grew up, my, my mom is um, 88, she's gonna be 89 in June. My mom is still living. And God bless her, my, my mom, I love my mom, but there's some things that I don't completely agree with the way I grew up with my mom. I remember I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and white school, but there were a couple of African-American kids in the school, and one of my best friends was an African-American boy. And I had had many of my friends over to my house to hang out, spend the night, things like that, and one day I invited him to come to my house and stay the night, and my mom said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I couldn't understand why. And I had a sister that was a little bit younger than me. She goes, I just don't think it would look good. I don't want anybody to think there's anything going on between him and your sister. And I was like, okay. 
That's weird to me. And I had to wrestle through that. I had to work through that and, and understand that. Uh, sometimes people are racist and prejudiced because, just because of ignorance. Uh, they just don't understand people that are different than them. They don't know how to deal with it. Uh, you know, they like different food. They have a different culture. They talk different. They just don't understand them. And so there's this prejudice just out of ignorance. If there's one thing I want you to hear today and get today, it's this. And I hope you write it down in your notes. This is so important that you get this. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. I'm going to say that again because I, I expected a lot more amens to that. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. Amen. Yeah. And, and that's, you say, well, that's just your opinion, Pastor. No, no, that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. Let me give you a verse. In James chapter 2, verse 9, James said this, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing what? A sin. Racism is not a skin issue. It is a sin issue. And we don't want to commit the sin of prejudice and racism. And so I want to spend the rest of our time answering this question. How do we neighbor those different from us? How do we do what Jesus said? Love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love our neighbor as ourselves. Love those that are different from us. Especially those that are different from us. Like the good Samaritan did. If you're taking notes, here's the first truth I want to talk about. Number one, we've got to recognize any prejudice. If we're going to neighbor those different from us, we've got to recognize any prejudices. It's easy sometimes to deceive ourselves and, and, and trick ourselves into thinking that we don't have prejudices. And sometimes, you know, we even, we even joke about it. Um, Marcial is our Spanish pastor here at Orchard Church, and he's always kind of keeping us on our toes if we cross the, the racism line or the prejudice line. I remember a couple of years ago, we were having a staff party, and so they decided they wanted to have a Mexican party. And so we were going to have tacos and angeladas, and they, they went out and they got piñatas and all this Mexican decor and all these things. They decorated the room and everything, and then they went and got Marcial to get his approval and they brought him in to look at where the party was set up, this Mexican party. And they said, Marcial, what do you think? He looked around and he goes, oh, man, this is so racist. <laughs> and he was just joking. But sometimes we have more prejudice th than we realize. L let me give you a definition for the word prejudice. Because if we're going to neighbor those different from us, we first have to recognize any prejudices that may have found their way into our life. The word prejudice means this. A preconceived, what's the next word? Opinion, and that's all it is. It's an opinion, a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. And we can have all kinds of prejudices. It's not just skin color. It's not just ethnicity. Uh, maybe you were raised and they said, you know, if somebody is wealthy and they have a lot of money, then they're greedy snobs. And we have that prejudice that all wealthy people are greedy snobs. Or maybe you say, well, all people that are overweight are lazy, and that's a prejudice. Or all millennials are entitled Not all of them. Not all of them. Or, or maybe you've heard this one. If someone is a pastor of a large church, they're slimy, greedy crooks. Yeah. Have you heard that? That's a prejudice. Or, or maybe you've heard, heard this prejudice. White guys can't jump. Or white guys can't dance. Well, they haven't met this white guy. I'll show them. But... But we, we all have different types of prejudice that, that, that come into our life. And if you've ever, like I have, said this, I'm not prejudiced, but there's nothing good that comes after that but. Seriously. I'm not prejudiced, but there's nothing good that follows that. And it takes great courage, humility, honesty, and integrity to admit 
Maybe I have some prejudices in my life. God, would you reveal any prejudices that are in my life? I want to repent of those because I want to love my neighbor as myself. Those of you that are in a small group here at Orchard, you're going to unpack this. You're going to talk about this a little bit further in, in your small groups this week. How do we neighbor those different from us? Number one, we recognize, with God's help, any prejudices in our life. Here, here's number two. How do we neighbor those different from us? Number two, we seek to understand others. We seek to understand others that are different than us, that have experienced prejudice, that have experienced racism towards them. And again, I will be the first to admit, I have a limited experience and a limited perspective of this. And so we got our hands on, on a video of some people who are actually leaders in ministry, church leaders from different ethnicities and backgrounds, and they're talking about this subject. And we want to show a portion of that to you this morning because I think it's going to help us to understand a little bit better what some people deal with every single day. Alan, George, and I, we, we tend to get confused for each other a lot. So Alan George is the church online pastor, and people come up to me all the time and say, Pastor Alan, I watch you online all the time. And so but when there's a math question in the room, everyone's like, hey, Alan, do you, can you? Like, I have no clue, man. Like Mexican food. <laughs> hey, Sam, how do we season this meat? But, you <laughs> but know. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, come on. Man. Yeah. I look like Charles Barkley to everybody. So that happens to me a lot. But actually, mistaken identity is something that I've dealt with before. Uh, I used to be in retail banking. And I actually called somebody, and I was talking to them, and they actually came into the branch looking for Jeremy. And when they got there, and I said, I'm Jeremy, and they were shocked. They're like, whoa, you, you didn't sound like that. On You sounded like, and they caught themselves right before. You didn't sound black. Almost makes you feel like you have to fight harder than everybody else and work harder than any, anybody else and study harder than anybody else just to get an equal opportunity. Um, being a larger of stature black man and uh, being a former athlete, you dress a certain way when you're outside of the professional realm. Well, I can tell you that there's been plenty of times where I've gone into a store and I've been browsing, looking around, and I find myself being trailed. And for some reason, I was like, okay, maybe they're just trying to give great customer service. I get followed when I go into the store, and then my husband is white, so... When he walks in behind me, then they kind of, okay, we don't need to follow her. She's fine, you know? So I get that too. And I'm a tiny little person. You know, just different compliments. Like if someone says, oh, well, you're beautiful or you're intelligent or mm -hmm. something like that. But then the thing that also gets added to it is for a black girl. Mm -hmm. And I always, like, I remember the first time that I heard that and how that made me feel, like, to think, like, oh, well, I maybe rise in just this one section. But as far as, like, the, you know, other standards of beauty, like, no, you don't have that. So I know some of you would have experienced challenges as a kid growing up. Who, who has a story or two that, that was hard for you? We came to America when I was five years old. And so the name calling from other kids was, was pretty challenging. You didn't... We didn't quite understand why we were being called names like Wetback or Beaner. Uh, they made no sense to us. Those names made no sense, but something inside us just, we, I just knew, like, that's hurtful. Um, where I was playing with some friends, and, you know, they had commented on it and were like, oh, but she has dark skin. And then I'm looking like, what do you mean? Like, what's wrong with my skin? And that just created something that stuck with me for a really long time that I had to bring to the Lord and say, I need healing of this because I feel like I'm less than because of that. Absolutely. I remember growing up um, in a predominantly white area of town 
um, and being on the playground. And I had a group of kids that wouldn't play with me and I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And then as I was walking by, I overheard them say, um, man, my dad told me that we shouldn't play with niggers. And I was like, wow. I mean, it was, first of all, the first time that I was first reminded that I was black and I had never been called that word before. Different perspective, isn't it? When you're on the other side, when you're on the receiving side of prejudice and racism. And if we're going to love others as we love ourselves, if we're going to neighbor those that are different from us, we've got to seek to understand what others are dealing with that maybe we don't, we don't understand. Here's a third truth that I want to give you uh, this morning. If we're going to love others like ourselves, if we're going to neighbor those different from us, here's the third thing. We've got to love those that are different from you. You've got to love those that are different from you. Love those that are different. That's what the Samaritan did for the Jewish man. Uh, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 13, uh, verse 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Now he had given that command before. So what was new about it? Here was what was new about this commandment. He says, love each other. Let's say it together, church. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. When you've experienced the love of Christ in your life, we are to extend that love to others, that we love others the way that he has loved us. He loved us when we were unlovely, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So when we experience the love of Jesus and his forgiveness, how can we not extend that to anyone that we come into contact with? Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is such a powerful statement, what Jesus said. The way the world today is going to know if you and I are Christ followers or not is not by our theology, not by our doctrine, not by our church attendance, not by our good deeds. It's going to be by our love for other people. How much we love other people in a Christ-like love. In 1996, there was a KKK rally in Detroit, Michigan. Some of you may remember this story. And they had uh, all these KKK that had shown up there. And then there were protesters protesting the KKK on the other side. And so the law enforcement uh, came in, the police officers, and they put a barrier between these two groups. And it was, you know, really hostile environment. Well, one of the KKK was able to find his way around the barrier into the crowd of the protesters. And when he got over there, the protesters started yelling, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi. And they knocked him down and they started beating him up. And, they, and they, they wanted to kill him. And an 18-year-old African-American girl, this is the picture from that scene, Keisha Thomas, 18 years old, who was one of the protesters, obviously not one of the KKK, she threw her body on top of the KKK member, probably a guy that wanted to hurt her if he had the opportunity, hated her. She threw her body on top of him, and she shielded him from those that were trying to beat him up. She protected him. Now, who does this? Who does this? Why, why did Keisha Thomas do this? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you who does this. A Christ follower. Someone that knows Jesus. And this is what she said when she was interviewed. I knew what it was like to be hurt. The many times that it had happened to me. I wish someone would have stood up for me. And she stood up and showed Christ-like love to someone different from her. She did what the Good Samaritan did. She walked across the street. She showed compassion to someone different from her, someone that probably hated her, but she did it in the name of Jesus. That's how we neighbor, Orchard Church. That's how we do it. 
She now today has a national platform and she goes around and speaks and this is what she said. The biggest thing you can do is just be kind to another human being. It can come down to eye contact or a smile. It doesn't have to be a huge monumental act. Just loving people that are different than us, especially loving people that are different than us. Get it this way in your notes. Racism isn't just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. Racism isn't just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. We think of racism, we think of hatred, but it's the absence of love. Galatians, Paul said this in Galatians 3.28. Watch this, church. There is no longer, if you're a Christ follower, this is what we believe. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all what, church? One in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ Jesus. Somebody's gonna help me preach this today. We are one in Christ Jesus. We're getting ready to have baptism in just a moment. We had 24 people that went public with their faith in the first service. We think we've got about 40 in this service. These are people that have said yes to Jesus and they wanna display their faith to the world publicly uh, through baptism. And when people get baptized, it is, it is not the act of baptism that saves us or forgives us or washes away our sins. Our faith in Christ does that. We all come into salvation the same way, through faith in Jesus Christ. There's one faith, the Bible says. There's one baptism. But as we see these people display their faith, I call baptism the wedding ring of the Christian life. It's an outward symbol of our uh, inward decision and our inward faith. But not only does this identify that we are one with Christ, but it identifies that we are all in the same spiritual family now. And no matter what your background, your ethnicity, or your skin color, we all came in the same way by faith in Jesus, and we all get baptized the same way. It's the same symbol. So when we see baptism today, it's not only recognizing we're one in Christ, but we are one in the family of God. I love what the late Billy Graham, how he said it. He said it this way, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we preach that, we believe that here at Orchard Church. We believe with all of our heart, for God so loved the world. God loves Asian Americans. God loves African Americans. God loves Latin Americans. God loves Muslim Americans. God loves Native Americans. And I can't believe I'm saying this. God even loves Americans that own cats. <laughs> now that's some love. That is some love. And not only does God love those kind of Americans, God loves the world. God loves Cubans and Hondurans and Filipinos and Nigerians and Jamaicans and Koreans and Malaysians and Canadians and Pakistanis and Iranians and Croatians and, and Russians. God loves everybody. And if we're Christ followers, we're to love the way he loves. We love what he loves. We love others as he has loved us. I love this passage in Revelation chapter 7, uh, verse 9. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And he got this revelation uh, from God. And he gives us a glimpse of heaven. This is what heaven is going to be like. He saw into the future. And here's what it says. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. From what church? Every nation and tribe and people and language. Listen, if you don't like people that are different than you being around, you're going to struggle in heaven because they're all going to be there. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar. Watch this. Salvation comes from, say it church, our God. Not my God, not your God, our God. 
He's our God. He's everybody's God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Listen, Orchard Church, there is only one race that matters to God, and there's only one race that should matter to us, and that is the human race. The human race. And on the authority of God's Word and the Orchard Church family, no matter who you are or where you're from or what language you speak or what color your skin is, you are always welcome in this place. You're always welcome here. When we started Orchard Church 12 years ago, four people, our family and two kids, seven and nine at the time, in our living room as a Bible study, one of the things we prayed for Orchard Church is that we would be a church that is a multicultural church, a multi-ethnic church. And God has answered that prayer. And that's the vision we continue to have. Because what we see here at Orchard Church with all different backgrounds and different colors is a glimpse of heaven. It's a little slice of heaven on earth. And let me just say it again, racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. It's not okay with God, and it's not okay at Orchard Church. Racism is not just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. Jesus didn't say who to neighbor. It's the next person you and I come in contact with. That's our neighbor. But he told us how to neighbor. Love others as ourselves. And how do we do that? We do what the Good Samaritan did. We do what Keisha Thomas did. We walk across the street and we love those who are different from us, especially those who are different from us. We love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we love our neighbor as ourself. That's how we neighbor. That's how we neighbor. Loving others as we have been loved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that we would apply this message to our lives that we wouldn't just amen it and applaud it, but that we would live it out, we would put it into practice, that we would love the way you have loved us. As we continue an attitude of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would say, you know, I want to love others as I have been loved by God. I want to be a better neighbor in the name of Jesus. If that's your heart's desire, can I pray for you? Would you lift up your hands all across the auditorium? I hope everybody's hand is up. I want to love other people the way God has loved me. I want to be a better neighbor in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. You can put them down. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that we would love others the way you've loved us. We love you because you first loved us. You loved us when we were separated from you, when we were in our our sins, when we were helpless and hopeless. You sacrificed and you died for us. May we offer that same kind of sacrificial love to those we come in contact with. May we be known in this world not by all the Bible knowledge that we know and the doctrine and theology, but may we be known by our love that we love others the way you have loved us. And Lord, reveal any areas of our life that we may have some prejudices that are standing in the way of loving the way you would have us to love. We continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know what Paul said in Romans chapter 10? He said this, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And I know some of you, maybe you hear that everyone and you say yeah everyone but me I've done this I've done that 
I don't know that God could love me. He does. He already showed his love toward you when 2,000 years ago he sent his son, his only son Jesus, to die on the cross for you, to pay for your sins. He did that so you could have a relationship with him. Everyone means everyone, no matter who you are or what you've done. And I, be, I believe the greatest display and act of love that some of you need to receive today is the love of Jesus by saying yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, inviting him into your life to forgive you of your sins, to begin a relationship with him. If you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do what the Bible says. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise from God. And one of the ways we call on God is through prayer, to just invite God to come into our life, to forgive us of our sins. And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud in just a moment. I'm going to invite some of you to pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's to invite him into your life. Now, this isn't a magic prayer or magic words, but if you believe it in faith, then Jesus will forgive you of your sins. You can begin a new relationship with him today. If that's you, you know who you are. If God's speaking to you in that way, would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me to pay for my sins. I'm saying yes to you today, Jesus. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I would never want to do that. But if, if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time, I would love, love the privilege to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer without hesitation, would you just slip up your hand for prayer? One, two, three. Lift them up nice and high. God bless you. Three or four over here. Four or five in that section. God bless you. You're in the middle. Amen. God bless you over here. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Several people. Amen. That's our mission here at Orchard Church, to help people, all people, find and follow Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I just lift up all those today that have said yes to you. I pray that they would grow in their walk with you and the grace and knowledge of you as their Lord and Savior. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ and that we are one in you. Lord, we, we uh, just thank you for all those that are getting baptized today. We pray, uh, Lord, this would be an incredible celebration and display of their new life that they have with you as they go public in, in their faith, those that have said yes to you. We pray for those that today maybe are thinking about it or contemplating being baptized. It's not too late. And we pray that they would step out in faith and, and uh, this would be an incredible day for them as well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We love you because you first loved us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate decisions again for Christ. Amen. Amen. Listen, right now what we're going to do um, is those of you that are prepared to be baptized, you came, you guys are already dressed and everything, I'm going to dismiss you right now. I just head out that exit sign to my right, your left. Uh, we've got about 35 or 40, I believe, that, are, that have already prepared uh, to be baptized. As they're doing that, listen to me very carefully. If you just raised your hand uh, for salvation, you said yes to Jesus, that's the most important decision you could ever make. Uh, we want to put this little book in your hands free from our church. It's called I Said Yes. It'll help you understand your decision, your next steps and your walk of faith with Jesus. So before you leave today, stop by the lobby, the I Said Yes booth, so we can put that in your hand if you said yes to Jesus today or recently here at Orchard Church. I'll tell you what we're gonna do right now is they are preparing uh, to get baptized. Last time we did baptism, we've started doing this. Uh, you may not have come today prepared to be baptized, but you haven't been, or it was a long time ago. You were a baby, you don't remember it, or you've recently accepted Christ and you've been thinking about it. Um, it's not too late. 
uh, we're going to give you an opportunity still today, yet in this service, uh, to get baptized. We had a young man that came last time not preparing to be baptized, but God spoke to his heart and he got baptized. And I want you to hear his story right now. This is going to touch your heart. I followed Jesus within heaven and earth, and I believe in Jesus in me. Jesus, my only father and son, and he really, Jesus is the only one I care about, and inside my heart and and yeah, he still loves me. We went into church that morning and I said to Dusty, they're baptizing this Sunday. And he said, Mom, can I be a part of it? And I said, let's go over and ask. We went over and asked and uh, they gave him his shorts and his shirt and he was so excited to go and get changed. He said to me afterwards when he came back from getting all dried off, he said, I'm a changed man. I do like baptized because it's, it's really different. Frozen water tipped my head and the man says about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in me. And that's why it changed my life. I feel pretty different. I baptized long time. I am a little baby to a grown up man. <laughs> and I believe Jesus is my um, spirit in me. Because I love Jesus so much. Because I always there for him. You felt God in your heart, didn't you? Yes. I have to listen to my parents. I have to listen to my bosses. And I'm going to listen to Doug Demian says. Amen. <laughs> I die. I'm going to go in heaven and see Jesus. And he will take me, do everything for me. I have to show everybody I'll be uh, a baby teens man, and that's how I feel. Oh. Oh, there's so, so much I love about Dusty's story. When we approached Dusty and said, Dusty, would you share your story? Would you give your testimony? He said, yes, I will. And he said, here's why I'm willing to share my story. Because there may be someone here today that you didn't come prepared to be baptized, but God was preparing for you to be baptized. You didn't know you were going to get baptized, but God knew. That's what God did in Dusty's heart. I believe that's what God is going to do in some of your hearts. You say, well, I didn't, I didn't bring a change of clothes. I didn't, I didn't bring a towel. We prepared for you. We have T-shirts. We have shorts. We have towels. There's no excuses. If God is working in your heart, if you know you need to be baptized, then let's join in with all these today. Let's celebrate your outward display of your inward faith. Some of you just said yes to Jesus in this service. Man, how great would 
would it be to say yes and immediately get baptized? That's how they did it in the Bible. Would that be okay, church, if some people that just said yes to Jesus got baptized? Now, here's the good news. The water is a lot warmer today. We fixed that problem, okay? But I love what Dusty said. You should do what Doug Dameron says. Only because I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says the first thing you should do after saying yes to Jesus is get baptized. Put on that Christian wedding ring. So if God is speaking to your heart to be baptized, I believe he is. We had several last service that, that did not compare to be baptized. They got baptized. Uh, we're going to stand in just a moment, moment and we're going to worship and we're going to celebrate all these getting baptized. If you'd like to get baptized in this service, just get up. Go out that exit door right over there. Uh, there's a table out there. They'll meet you there. They'll get you your towel, your t-shirt, and your shorts and let's celebrate big time all those that are getting baptized today. Let's stand and let's worship and let's celebrate new life in Christ. Man, I hope we as a church never get tired of seeing this and I hope we never get tired of being a part of what God is doing here. Thank you so much for those of you who give and serve for being al allowing God to use what you do to change lives here. Thank you so much. Hey, this is your first time with us in just a moment when we receive an offering and the black buckets go by. Would you take that opportunity to drop the connection card in that bucket? We just want a chance to get to know you. In fact, we said earlier in the service that for every connection card we get, we donate $5. I got to let you know, last month, April, we had so many guests that we were able to bless Almost Home in Brighton. They, they provide housing and shelter for, for the homeless as for those in need. We were able to give them $1,675 last month. And so if you came last month and that was your first time and you, hand, and you handed one of those cards, you got to be a part of that. And if you're a part of this church and you give here, man, thank you guys so much. Because we don't want to just change lives here inside these walls, but we want to impact our community as well. Because we're not just a church in our community, but we're for our community. So thank you guys. We're going to continue to worship, celebrate what God has done. We're going to do that with our giving and with our singing. And you can drop in your connection card there. If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus today, if you said yes to Jesus and you didn't get baptized yet, you, we still have services that you can do that in. You can go Go to the booth right now and, and sign up for baptism or go to the yes booth, yes, yes booth mm, and, uh, and get that, that booklet and that way you guys can take your next step in following Jesus. But let's continue to sing and worship in this moment. <laughs> 